We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College of the Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and I'm joined by Stefan Leco. You can find him at Stefan Leco on Twitter. You can find me at FF underscore Travis M. We are back and we are uh, trying a new uh, format to the show, a little video here. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see if we get through this uh, without any, any uh, technical difficulties or better. Uh, awk- awkward, better. <laughs> awkward faces and things like that. But if you're listening on podcast, uh, this, that probably works too. It's, it might, might be for the best. But uh, we are going to uh, be talking through some players that we just cannot stop drafting in our fantasy football leagues. Of different formats, I think. I mean, like w- whether it be best ball, some uh, you know Scott Fishbowl stuff, <laughs> and other formats alike. Uh, definitely a more fantasy football centric episode, but definitely going to get into a lot of uh, just player talk uh, with with very specifics as we can. But stay fun. It's good to uh, see you again and uh, talk through some of these players that we just can't stop getting all over our rosters. Oh, dude, it's crazy. I uh, I'm not sure how many best ball tournaments you're in but i'm in far too many and i do like the low stake ones i'm not doing these like some of our co co-workers and stuff they're doing these uh these huge best ball tournaments where you're dropping you know i actually have no idea how much they're putting in but that's not me i'm doing the the low low entry just doing like a hundred different uh hundred different best ball leagues just to see what it's like um kind of low stakes but uh it's gonna be fun man but it's been crazy looking at my exposure rates because some people i know i draft a lot like everyone knows that i draft a shit ton of jk dobbins uh, <laughs> not everyone knows that i also draft a lot of hayden hurst <laughs> uh, uh, we'll talk about some of those um in a minute uh how, how are things going for you man been uh, been staying busy i'm sure yeah, uh, very close to having uh, another child join the family. So just been prepping for that and uh, living life and, and just trying to figure out how to, how to balance, uh, you know, work and uh, baby prep and uh, uh, shows and things like that in between. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been good. Just ready to get to football season more than anything. Yeah, man, it's it's getting close, like eight more Saturdays or something like that. We are we are getting close. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, I went to the live draft event in Denver over the weekend on Sunday, which was so cool. There was a bunch of just awesome people from the fantasy community. Uh, a lot of people I didn't know yet and a lot of people that I did. It wasn't a huge crowd. We had two 
two drafts going. So there's 24 of us drafting. And then there's about probably another 15, 20 people there. Uh, it was super cool though. It was a lot of fun. And uh, dude, I've been playing fantasy football for 25 years now. Cause I'm old. Um, this was the first time I've ever done like a draft where you're putting the names up on the board, you know, like all oh, the nice, other ones man. have been like, you know, yeah. like you're on your laptops. I've done it like in the same room as people, but never like on a board. So it was super fun. That's great. Yeah. I've only done that on, on a couple occasions and like I've done it via whiteboard and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, it, it, only really at this point I have one draft where we even do that anymore. So <laughs> it, I'm sure that was awesome just to be in that environment and just be around people doing the draft rather than just clicking a button somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it different, so whole cool. different vibe. Yeah, it was fun. I will say it was uh, it was interesting too because there were um, like it, it was getting pretty hot and we started drafting a little early and there was a lot of beer. So uh, as time went by, my picks uh, let's say I loosened up a little bit and I, uh, I I went with my heart on a couple of <laughs> a couple of players that maybe I shouldn't have. <laughs> that's okay. That's part of the fun. I mean, I think uh, that's uh, our buddy Matt Wispay. I think that's basically his entire strategy. He's only taken, I think he's like six rounds in and he's only selected Ohio, <laughs> Ohio State players. So- I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm pulling up his, his team right now yeah. um, because it is pretty awesome. Let me, let me uh, read this out, out for you. Uh, so he had the 101, which I don't know why he went 101 when he could have chosen, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> he went 101 and he went Justin Fields. And then he went Garrett Wilson, Chris Salave, Terry McLaurin, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and J.K. Dobbins. I mean, that's not a bad squad if you think about it. I mean, they're all Buckeyes, no, and man. it's still not that bad. I kind of no. like it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just you know, I mean, it, lean into your fandom a little bit, have fun. Yeah, uh, probably, probably what, what was kind of your thing. approach to? Okay. What was your approach to Scott Fish this year? Yeah, I guess that is the thing that everyone's talking about this week is the Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's funny, like every, because the format changes every year. And I've, I've done this, I, I think, every year since like SFB 360. And I've never seen a scoring format that was just like pro everything. Like it just felt like nothing had true downside. I mean, like the scoring format is it, if anything, it, no, it does not necessarily favor wide receivers, I guess. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, it just felt like you could do a whole lot of different things in terms of strategy and build and, I had the 1.01 as well, and I actually picked Patrick Mahomes to kick things off. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to draft the king, uh, Derek Henry himself. So I had to do that at the end of round two. And then, uh, then third round reversal. So then you got to wait a while. Yeah, I had, had that long wait and then went with uh, Devontae Adams and, and Stefan Diggs. And uh, and so that I was like, man, that's a solid first four rounds. And then I just, uh, just recently nabbed uh, Kenneth Walker, and Miles Sanders and uh, the five six turn. So we'll see how it actually goes. Uh, I've got kind of a more r- running back heavy build now since I just uh, just made those picks. But yeah, there's still a lot of wide receiver depth available, and I still have to get my quarterback too figured out. But there's it's it's just already been a really fun draft. That's that's awesome. I hate my quarterback too. By the way, we did the first ten rounds in person, and then the rest has been offline. And so I had the one oh eight because I picked that well actually it was funny i thought i had the 107 and so i was just talking with these dudes and we all went up to write our names on the board and i walked up and i was like you know what actually i'm gonna go last just in case i screwed something up and so sure enough someone went up and wrote their name by the 107 which is what i thought i had i actually had the 108 (laughs) Um, so uh but it didn't matter i wouldn't i wanted to go uh justin fields at 108 uh, he was not there. He went uh, at one six. So I ended up getting mm-hmm. Jamar Chase. Um, and then I went and got Dak in the second round, which I don't love. So my 
Then I went Josh Jacobs, Alave, had to get my boy Dobbins. And I got Miles Sanders in the sixth as well. Then I got my quarterback two in Jordan Love, which is dangerous. And then Alexander Madison. So again, a lot of running back, but I love Danger. that running backs get Maybe. another rush attempt. Like they get points per rushing attempts. You know, I think it's like a quarter of a point, but still. Um, and then I went and got Bryce Young. And then I also have Trey Lance at quarterback. Um, got him much later. I uh, ended up going Brandon Cooks, Randall, Rondale Moore, and Darnell Mooney. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm in the 17th round, and I just drafted a kicker, Tyler Bass. So, hey, leave a, Viva La Vida Loca or something like that. I don't know. Bass? <laughs> I just feel like, dude, Buffalo's going to put up a billion points. Why not take their kicker? Um, anyway. So, yeah, yeah, Scott Fish has been fun, dude. I, I really enjoyed it. I um, Yeah, I definitely – recommend highly if you can do an, uh, a live one um, they also did like cool like uh, bidding on stuff we had uh, like a silent auction and one of the things that was auctioned off was like a spot in next year's scott fishbowl so yeah if you really want to get into the scott fishbowl show up at a live draft and bid on it and then you'll be in next year i know yeah. uh, wispy was telling me that they had someone no show and so they just auctioned off that person's spot which was pretty cool too yeah there's i mean it, it is tough to get in it i mean there's you know, tens of thousands of people that, that try to get in it every year at this point. Um, but there, there are all sorts of fun ways to participate and uh, give because it's a charitable event and uh, even participate in kind of a copy league here or there as well. So a bunch of satellite uh, formats is, you can get involved with. It's just, it's, it's become the best, um, the biggest, best event in all of fantasy football. So it's just cool to see it uh, become what it has uh, after all these years. And, and having known, like even from back in the day, just being on de like Devi message boards at like FF Oasis, at, like <laughs> 10, 12 years ago or something. Uh, and seeing like the start of Scott Fishbowl, even being a thing to, to what it has become now. Uh, it's insane. Uh, and That's I was crazy. talking to, yeah. And I was talking to Shane Hallam uh, who he does well, everything, but he, he uh, most recently has really expanded his work with draft countdown as he, as a co-owner there uh, doing a bunch of NFL draft work. And he's actually one of, I think 10 um, people who have been in every single one uh, oh, since wow. the beginning. Yeah. And so that would be really cool just to be one of the original, <laughs> one of the few that have uh, participated every single year, but there's that there's, there's very, very few people uh, that just basically started it and helped, helped found it and help, help, help it be, help it become what it is today. So, yeah. What a cool idea too. I mean, and of course it's for, for charity, which is always amazing, but just the fact that you can get so many different people together to compete in the same tournament and everyone's excited, engaged. I mean, for the most part, I mean, there's always people who sign up and then never pick, which is frustrating as hell. I'm sure for Scott and John and those other guys, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. shall we get into some of our uh, yeah. exposures and best ball stuff? And yeah. Best ball move, and, move players, yeah, and players. We can't stop drafting in all sorts of formats, whether it be dynasty or, you know, college again, you know, campus again, formats, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, where do you want to start? Um, let's start I with have... uh, let's go let's go with your best ball stuff because that's fun, um, and I think there's there's a lot of value gaps that that I find you know across formats like because if you know somebody's going higher or lower here I'm like, wait, am I over or undervaluing this player in this format or, um, you know, am I, am I overvaluing him long term or short term or whatever, vice versa? Uh, it's just playing in all sorts of different fantasy formats gives you a, a unique perspective. And I think a proper balance in terms of like how to view the, each and every player. Yeah, absolutely. And two, like, it's interesting, like looking over this list of players, because some of these players I don't actually like all that much. Right. If you would just ask me in general, but then when you put them, you know, 
compared to ADP or compared to like these best ball drafts. Most of these are, I mean, all of this is from underdog, but um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting when you see that list of players, you just keep getting. And some of it like Jamar chase is on my list. The only reason Jamar chase is that high on my list is because I just happened to have a pretty early pick a bunch of times. And so I went with him because it's not super flex. So you end up getting uh, Jamar chase early. And so the reason he's on this list and, and I've got him in 30% of my leagues, I'm guessing it's because I had like the number four overall pick in 30% of my leagues. Or right. I think I ended up taking him. Um, I think I'd keep t- taking him number two overall. I think it was Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase. So yeah, I had the number two pick in 30%. So that's why he's on the list. But other guys that I think are interesting to talk about is a guy like, I mean, we're going to start with a deep cut. If that's all right with you, Travis, yeah, I'm going to start with Ty Chandler. Um, and, and the oh, reason yeah, I know, and, and I've got Ty Chandler up here at, um, he, he's not like by yeah, 60%. Um, and a lot of this is because I started drafting a long time ago when Dalvin cook was still a member of the Minnesota Vikings. And we all knew that Dalvin cook would not end the season or even the preseason as a Minnesota Viking. And so I was like, let's read the room here. I think Ty Chandler is the number two back in Minnesota behind Alexander Madison. You know, I think um, the that Dwayne McBride, I mean, I'll be honest, I've got a fair share of McBride as well. I usually take whichever one is, is there with one of my very last picks, um, especially when Dalvin Cook was still on the team. And Ty Chandler, we liked him coming out of college. He's got great opportunity as a receiving back. He can run the ball well. He's never going to be a guy, in my opinion, that can be like, uh, a workhorse or bell cow or what's the other animal we like to use? Um, I don't remember, <laughs> but um, a swimming duck. Uh, no, yeah, but he, those, those swimming ducks, man, you got to have them rostered. So that's right. But I could see him as someone who in half or full point PPR is actually like uh, maybe not startable every week, but flex worthy. And then if something does happen to Alexander Madison, he could blow up. So in a basketball format where I think he's going to have a couple big games and we know he's explosive. Uh, I thought Ty Chandler uh, going super, super late was a, was a decent, decent bet. But again, a guy that if you said, do you have a high exposure to Ty Chandler? I'd say no, probably not, but probably 60%. Not. <laughs> yeah. I sure as hell do. Yeah, man. I like it. I like it. I, I wouldn't have thought off the top of my head that, uh, oh, yeah, Ty Chandler, that's the guy. But uh, I mean, we really don't know what it's going to look like there, right? We don't know who's going to be the swimming duck of the that's right <laughs> what's that become a thing now yeah. uh no but hopefully hopefully not but we really just don't know I, and i think leaning into the ambiguous situations uh with lower adps like that's that people have been covering that as a strategy for quite some time and yet i feel like every single year a lot of people just like leaning into safety when in reality leaning too hard into safety it doesn't necessarily uh offer the highest ceiling for the roster in many cases you know so like yeah it, I'm not saying, you know, drafting a super odd situation, running back in round five or round four or something like that. But, you know, once you get into the, the later round ranges, there's there's just a lot of opportunity to be had and uh, getting the dirt cheap option. Yeah. And he's like RB 60. So please, I mean, come at me. I, I'm here to, I'm here, I'm here for all the, uh, the fights that we can have, but yeah. it's not like I'm getting him as like a, as a, you know, hopefully he's like my third running back or something like that. No, like he's, He's going super late, RB60. I'm happy to take him at the end of my bench. Uh, but, but he was just an interesting guy that kind of popped off the page. Have you done any of your – have you looked at any of your best ball exposure rates or, or are you kind uh, of – I don't have it all up in front of me right now. <laughs> okay. But so, I'm actually lo- lo- looking through a whole bunch of other stuff right now just to kind of 
uh see just i was trying to figure out like who i've even been drafting in uh, all my college leagues too just to, there's not really an easy way to sort through that <laughs> oh no that stuff's hard best yeah. ball i mean underdog makes it so easy for for you which i think is cool like it's just a tab and you can like see it so i enjoy doing that i do want to spend a little bit of time um talking about two players who i kind of have in the, the breakout happens in the same way um yeah. and that's really just them getting a little bit more workload because their efficiency is freaking insane. And I'm talking about Khalil Herbert and JK Dobbins, uh, JK Dobbins. I have talked a ton about, I am so yeah. high on JK Dobbins. I couldn't be higher on JK Dobbins and I'm not projecting him to be this crazy, um, have this crazy outlier season. I'm really just looking for him to do kind of what he's been doing um, already in his NFL career. So uh, in this article that I wrote, you can see that, I um, kind of looked at his historical averages. Uh, I looked at his historical lows and projected him out based on that. Um, if you look at his historical lows, including college, even if that's all he produces, he still ends up being like an RB28. And when I talk about historical lows, I'm talking about like um, yards per carry, um, all that kind of stuff, target rate, catch rate, all that. So if you look at his career lows, he 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 doesn't have that great of uh like a season, right? It's, it's right. not going to be great. However, neither one of us think that's possible. And in this article, I go through all the reasons why, but if you just let have him do what his historical averages are, uh, he still ends up as like an RB seven. That's just if he hits his historical rates. And the reason why is because he's been injured the last year and a half. Well, he missed all of one season. He missed half of last season. Um, and his rookie season, he didn't get opportunity right out the bat, but Going all the way back to high school, he has not been injured. He was not injured much in college. He was not. He was injured a little bit in high school, but not much. He's really just had this one bad knee injury. And other than that, he's been fine. So just assuming that he's an injury-prone player, I think is really unfair. If you do, then anyone who's ever had an injury, you got to knock them too. Um, but if you look at um, like the projections that I put forth for Dobbins, it's nothing crazy. Like it's a 5.4 yards per carry, which is high for most people, but it's low for him. Last year, he averaged 5.9 yards per carry. Um, I have him at a 3.6% touchdown rate. I've got him at a 78% catch rate, which last year was higher as well if you include the playoffs. So basically, if you just run through all these numbers, he ends up with a pretty big season. The question is, how much workload is he going to get? So what I did, Travis, because I know you're curious, is I basically looked at the last five games that Dobbins played in last season when he was back to health. And I removed all the quarterback rushing to determine what percentage of the rush of the running back rushing market share J.K. Dobbins was getting. Because I was curious if it was a crazy amount. It ended up only being um, 57% of the running back carries went to Dobbins. So if you give him 57% of the running back carries, that ends up being about 42% of the Ravens overall carries once you account yeah, for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. He ends up with 234 carries, which again, is projecting uh, yeah. that Munkin is going to continue to do what he did in Georgia and run the ball. The Ravens have been a run-heavy team forever. I'm, I'm not projecting them to be a crazy run-heavy team. I'm projecting them to be about a 51% pass, 49% rush. So it's still, anyway, all this to say, there is a huge, a very wide lane, not a path. There's a wide road that leads to J.K. Dobbins being fantasy relevant. And basically all he needs to do is stay healthy. And I think he does it. I think he smashes. He's going to be involved in the passing game a lot more. Uh, there is 
there's Gus Edwards and Justice Hill and Keaton Mitchell. That's the running back room there. They didn't bring anyone in other than Keaton Mitchell, an undrafted free agent. I just love J.K. Dobbins. I love the opportunity. I can't stop drafting him. Um, I've got him at 60%. And the only reason it's that low is because uh, that exposure hit rate of 60% is because I, I had to be like, okay, I can't have him in every best ball <laughs> in every best ball team in case he does get injured. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so that's kind of where I'm at on, on, on JK Dobbins. Uh, the other question that people, I only have him for 43 targets, by the way, 34 receptions. So I'm not even like projecting a stupid, crazy um, role in the, it's all feels very realistic and it comes out on a per game basis. He's going to be between, you know, in standard number nine, um, in, in, PP, in half point PPR, he'd be the um, RB 11 per game and in full point, he'd be um, RB 13, which to me feels really, uh, it feels like a, it doesn't feel like outrageous projections that like, of course, he's not going to hit. Like, I really think he can hit this and be just like a, a fringe RB one, RB two um, and going in the sixth round, which is where he's going right now. Um Super, super slam dunk of a draft pick for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, that that's one of my. Uh, I mean, before you even said that, I was, I was like, okay, yes, all the J.K. Dobbins. But uh, when you, when you, were, when you really laid it out, and e- even if we look at some increase in passing volume, even more so than many would project, it's still a fantastic role. So uh, having him, well, like, where is he going right now? Like RB twenty ish or something like that. Yeah, RB nineteen, RB twenty, yeah. right in there. Yeah, and so like that seems like an automatic. Even if it's only like four, four or five slots above expectation, like that's still kind of a slam dunk. And and he's going around guys like, um, hang on here, let me let me just quickly check so that I'm not uh, lying to you here. But he's going around dudes like Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Walker, Jameer Gibbs, Aaron Jones, Javante Williams, Cam Akers. Like a lot of these guys have questions. And to me, he has, um, he's shown us his efficiency. Dude, I went through his advanced rushing stats and it's just absolutely insane. Like if you look, I I, I kind of pulled through in the article and looked at um, running backs with a minimum of of 50 carries last season. um, And there were 67 qualified running backs. And you look at his numbers. He is, was number three in yards per attempt. He was number four in missed tackle percentage, number four in, um, Yards before contact, number 10 in yards after contact. Um, the, the places where he struggled, actually, it's interesting. It's um, attempts per touchdown. Um, and I think that's going to, if regression hits and he falls more closely in line, um, because he was 47 out of 67, um, if, if he falls more in line um, with that he, and he sees more rushing work, because it's not like Lamar Jackson is doing this crazy Jalen Hurts. I forget what we call that play now where they just kind of like, the QB just kind of like scrums it up the middle, you know? Um, yeah. yeah the, the Lamar's not doing play, that. Yeah. No. yeah. Lamar's not doing that. So they still hand the ball off uh, quite a bit in the red zone. Uh, so, so I'm really excited. Yeah. His eva- evasion percentage was, you know, top 20, super, super promising back. If you look at all the underlying numbers as well, it's not like he just got lucky on a, a couple big plays. So huge JK Dobbins fan. And uh, the more I looked into it, the higher I got on him, honestly. Um, and I went into it with like, okay, I want to write about J.K. Dobbins because everywhere I'm reading, everyone I'm listening to is, has questions about him. And so I kind of went into it with an open mind, trying to figure out which way I was going to fall. And man, I I, uh, I fell in love quickly. I'll just say that. 
Anyway, why why wouldn't you? So I I I don't think we need to sell people anymore on J.K. Dobbins. But yeah, who, can, who else? Um, I mean, who else? Were, like, is I really like that play quite a bit. But like, for, for I guess, is there a wide receiver for you that's like that? And you're that confident in that you're just like, man, that's my dude. Like, I I better have all of that player. No, but there is a <laughs> there right. is a wide receiver that I've been drafting and trading for that would make you think I felt that way about him. But really, <laughs> yeah. I'm freaking terrified um oh, and this gosh. is actually more in um in dynasty play um and that's Traylon burks um uh, mm. i've been getting a lot of that Traylon should burks. terrify you that should well especially <laughs> with the deandre hopkins rumors um that doesn't help much either yeah. uh but yeah and you're a titans fan but if, if you look at what could be with Tannehill, if, if Tannehill's healthy and back to himself um i think Traylon burks has a huge opportunity i mean we all do we we know that they are an offense that has you know, historically, at least recently, can you say historically and recently, recent history, <laughs> maybe? Um, I mean, we know that they've been funneling targets that so we saw what AJ Brown was there. And I think it's really unfair to put Traylon Burks in that category. And I know he was literally drafted right after that, like, like to be the heir apparent, like, yeah, very unfair, like he was, very unfair. Yeah, he was supposed to be the guy. So, and, and he had to change, like, I mean, we're both college football guys. So we know this Traylon Burks was running a very different type of uh, route tree at Arkansas wasn't really running much of a route tree at Arkansas and, and was the guy there too, though. Like we saw that he was a complete uh, dominator. He, he hogged all the targets. Um, oh, target hog. That's another animal. There we that's, go. That's what it was. Yeah. That was like, for like, <laughs> like the receiving options. Yeah. That's what it is. The target hog. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not uh, the swimming duck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So Traylon Burks, not so much in best ball, but I do. I, I don't. I don't mind him in best ball either. I know. Um. I'm pretty sure. Uh. Sean just wrote up an article on on a, a way to avoid kind of the running back dead zone, and one of the ways is you know go quarterback. I mean, excuse me, go wide receiver with your first pick, then get a couple of running backs, and then load up on wide receivers throughout the rest of the middle rounds. And Traylon Burks is a target for him uh, because there is upside there. You could see. Um, and especially like if Derrick Henry isn't Derrick Henry again this year, like if he does slow down just a little bit, which I'm not going to bet on, but if he does and they need to throw it out, throw it more, uh, he, he certainly Burke yeah. certainly does have the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, there's just no, no one else there. That's remotely interesting. Like Westbrook, Westbrook, Akina, Kyle Phillips, like, yeah, Phillips. Chig- I mean, Chigakonkwo, like his, his snap share is going to go way up. His target share is going to go up, but, um, <laughs> It's still it could be that Burks is just like the only guy that's interesting there, and and that's fun. So I'm just not one to invest in any asset with the Titans because they're going to have like the worst offensive line in the entire league uh, for the most most of the year, and so that just scares me off a little bit. Uh, but I yeah. am one who just took Derrick Henry <laughs> in the Scottish Bowl at the end of second round, second round. But I, I he just had people call last year down here and he had like 1900 1900 yards from scrimmage so uh i think he's he's just fine um yeah so stupid he's an are there any any wide receivers that you find yourself drafting a lot and the wide receivers um uh, yeah so calvin ridley um oh that's a that's controversial let's let's talk yes. about it so calvin Ridley, and, and maybe it's just because i've i've become i get friends with some we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Analytics folks there, but like they're just super, super stupid high on Ridley and uh, the reports uh, internally that uh, they're not even really pushing out to the media. They're just like, wow. Okay. Okay. So yeah, this, this guy's going to just destroy people. Like the assumption is, you know, it's, it was never the assumption that, you know, I know Christian Kirk had a great year last year, props to him, but it was never assumed internally that he was ever like the best wide receiver on the team. So Ridley is probably going to garner a ridiculous amount of targets and he's going at, like around, what five or something like that? Say like 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 six in some cases. Like if you if you depending on the the league that you're drafting in, like for for your underdog stuff, where are you seeing him going for uh, best ball? Let me uh, let me pull it up because he's because the thing is like I know he's the detractor. Why he's a value is is um, I mean he's already quote unquote old <laughs> and, and playing on his rookie contract. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's already quote unquote old, and you know he had like the, the five games where his his efficiency wasn't great in twenty twenty one. He missed all of last year, but man, his his third year was absolutely insane. Like having almost one hundred fifty targets, like over thirteen hundred yards, and like almost double digit touchdowns that year. And uh, I think they're just assuming, look, he's going to be right there. We're going to shovel one hundred fifty targets his way, and one hundred fifty plus targets <laughs> uh, or so in in that range. Um, like you don't get that kind of value except for maybe like with Deontay Johnson and that's good because he just can't catch touchdowns apparently, but yeah, <laughs> that's just but, mean. no, but actually both, both of those guys are, are players that I'm high on this year because, um, that assumption that that's just going to stay that way or the assumption of that, uh, you know, the unknowns, I mean, people assume that there's just way too much I know about, about, about both those players. And I think they're both going to have incredible roles with ridiculous volume. And if they just see any kind of, like good regression towards any normal uh, numbers of, t- of touchdowns for Deontay. Um, and uh, even just a few touchdowns for Calvin Ridley, we're going to see major mid round values for both wide receivers, Ridley and Deontay Johnson. So um, yeah, I, I like both those plays and I, I'm going to have all those, uh, all the shares I can uh, this year, just because of where they're going. Like Deontay's going even later, like a uh, full round or so later, I think than yeah. Than Ridley. Ridley- Ridley, his current ADP is 57. Right. Yeah. So it's like fifth round, like into sixth round. A hundred. Yeah, seriously. I mean, and we're talking about like one of the like highest volume in in terms of like target shares in the league. And so uh, not target share, but like raw target totals in in, in the league. So it's, it's pretty wild to, to say, look, I'm really not interested in 150 targets, (laughs) you know, before round like eight or nine. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. 
Do you think uh, you'd be interested in placing a wager? I'm happy to bet you that Deontay Johnson will have more touchdowns this season than last year. Would you like <laughs> to make that wager with me? Zero uh, touchdowns, yeah. bro. Zero. Zero. And I know everyone talks about it. Yeah. But when I, I was looking at – I was trying to think about a piece to write and I almost always write about running back. So I actually yeah. was looking at some wide receivers. I was like, man, Deontay Johnson's interesting. Yeah. But there's just so many questions for me about that offense because I'm nervous about Kenny Pickett. I am nervous about the passing game in general. Um, I'm not exactly sure what to do with um, second year wide receiver. Um, why can't I George Pickens? Yeah. George Pickens. Um, I mean, I'm not really exactly solid. Sure, what to do with Allen Robinson being there, with Pat Fryermuth being there. Uh, So I I will say that um, even with Pat Fryermuth's pretty decent target share with Kenny Pickett, um, Mm -hmm. I still think Deontay gets his. And they were actually talking about this. uh, Chris Towers, friend of the podcast, we've had him on a couple of times here before. He he was talking about Deontay Johnson this week and is saying like, when you can get open that easy, when you can create that much separation, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. They're going to throw you the ball. Now, we'd yeah. like to see him do more with it. But if he does, if he can make that jump, he could be extremely valuable. Again, I'm not. we're not talking about getting him in the fifth round here like J.K. Dobbins. We're, we're talking, talking like about round eight, <laughs> round eight. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I like that. For me. Even, even if he sees a target dip, he's going to see a, at least a few touchdowns this year. And so uh, – and, and to be honest, with with the surrounding cast, you mentioned like Robinson. I'm not really net sure what what he brings at this point in his career. Unfortunately, well, sorry, I wasn't saying I thought Allen Robinson and Pickens were great, and therefore they were going to siphon targets <laughs> yeah. away. My yeah. fear is that there's not a whole lot of uh, like success. dynamism. Is dynamism a word? <laughs> it well, is dynamism now. in terms of like the, the offensive as a as a whole or from Deontay or from what do you mean? No, from the other two. So oh, George okay. Pickens makes me nervous because he kind of feels like a one trick pony at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then Allen Robinson, I think, is cooked. And so I'm just curious uh if if defenses are really Kenny Pickett. So if they only have to take away Deontay and, and Fryermuth, um Fryermuth, I, I have to dig into what he's been doing because I I, I I didn't watch a whole lot of Steelers yeah. ball last year. I'll push year, back a little bit. I'm nervous. Yeah, I agree that the, the route tree was limited for Pickens, but what he was able to do on that limited route tree was reminiscent of, you know, a slightly nerfed version of, of DK's first year too. Like, because, uh, I mean, honestly, like he, he just he – Is it bad that I get Martavis Bryant vibes? Like in well, in both the good it's, it's and the bad to, way? It's hard <laughs> not to because like just because of like the similar stature and, you know, like Martavis wasn't the most diverse – route tree kind of player either you know but uh, it's just I, I think that pickens can press uh pressure like uh, one side of the, of the field for sure and just kind of remove some multiple defenders at times and so i i actually like that um okay for him and, and with kenny pickett with second years for quarterbacks second and third years specifically second years quite a bit you see an uptick in efficiency overall from the quarterback position even if the ceiling is not very high it's probably gonna be higher than it was last year for Pickett and even if he washes out because he's not that good after his rookie contract if we're talking baseball or this year I'm all I'm all for you know an implied slight increase in efficiency and maybe you know just overall volume with Pickett and trust in Pickett um, to maintain or offset any change in his target distribution for Deontay so if that's the case uh, it's just sky's the limit for, for his target totals and uh maybe he's not going to be you know a 1500 yard player but obvious value where he is 
And with yeah, Ridley, we don't need him to be that. <laughs> yeah. No. And with Ridley, yeah, there's there's other targets there as well. But e- even so, like the internal assumption is like the offense goes to Ridley. Do you think speak, uh, going back to Jacksonville, like people know? Firstly, I was looking at Calvin Ridley's 2020 numbers, and they oh, were yeah. just absolutely stupid. Like even like his fantasy points over expectation are, are just Dude, ridiculous. Just wild. Yeah. Like, yeah, his PPR like rank, I think he was like number four on a per game basis that year. Yeah, unreal. Uh, so we talk about him. I like Evan Ingram still. I was on him as a breakout not before the season, but once I started started watching Jacksonville and what they were doing with him, I still like Evan Ingram a lot. We know that they brought in Tank Bigsby to help the running game. Uh, Travis Etienne again, fully healthy. Is there a lot of optimism for you that Trevor Lawrence could have a significant breakout, like the, the end of year pace that he was on? Do you think he could sustain that for an entire season and, and finish just right outside those elite top five and, you know, be a top, you know, that yeah. top six, seven guy? Well, yeah, I mean, we saw we or even saw, crack above that even. Yeah, I mean, we thought for forever that Lawrence was just like, hey, look, this is just a no-brainer. Like, this is one of the best prospects we've ever seen. We knew that for a long time. Dating back to high school, we knew this. Throughout college, he was near perfect. Uh, and then he struggled at times first year. He had struggles here and there, even last year. But it was just like, look, he's gonna put it together. And when he does, he's gonna be amazing. And so I would have I would, have, I would not be surprised at all if he's like, oh, by the way, I'm a top five quarterback now. Um, and and given the weapons around him, the pieces that are in place to to make him help you know help him succeed with with Ridley and Kirk and and Ingram and Etienne and adding Tank Bigsby, like they, they just they're at a spot like, hey, we're ready to not only just win this division but press to get to the Super Bowl. And if Lawrence takes that one more next step. They're going to be in that mix to, to put some pressure on Mahomes this year and Burrow this year uh, when, it, when it actually matters. And so for real football purposes, I'm really excited for that team. Um, and I hate to say that because I'm a Titans fan, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it's, it's whatever. It, Lawrence is just un, unreal, and we're about to see him take that next step and, and really dominate with a full, you know, a, a stable of weapons. And that's that's it for me too. Like if you look at the difference between – um, this year, not even last year, his rookie year. Yeah. Um, the the weapons that he had on his team, it's oh, just, just no insane. comparison. Like they, yeah. This is the first year where he's actually got uh the fact that Zay Jones was like an explosive player for them last year. I love Zay Jones. Like I'm a yeah, I'm a Jags fan, but he yeah. shouldn't be the, the dude for no. you. You know, him no. and Christian Kirk shouldn't be what you're waiting on. So this I think is the Calvin first Rimm year he had better upgrade. supporting cast than he had at Clemson. <laughs> that's funny and I, not I mean, untrue it's probably not i mean it's probably true i mean it's yeah, yeah. i think it's probably true like this is the first year he's like has weapons that rival what he had at clemson like because those teams were silly like he you know he was just throwing jump balls to t higgins and oh my gosh that was oh they were they yeah were yeah and if you look too, like um i know uh he he was kind of lower in some of the trevor lawrence that is is a little lower in some of the key areas that we want to look at like um, air yards completed i know he was mm-hmm. just right outside the top 10 but i yeah. think adding a dynamic playmaker like calvin ridley assuming he is even 80 percent of what he used to be i think yeah. will make a huge and difference is, and again stretching the field allows other players to do more too yeah and if he is he already exceeds ridley exceeds adp probably lawrence probably exceeds adp that probably you know might depress other weapons there but those two i think could be a value where they're going given that Lawrence is, you know, not perceived to be in that, you know, elite tier. 
um, but very well could take that next step and be in that conversation. So yeah, that's it's, we're just kind of naturally progressing into players that I, I am targeting <laughs> this yeah. year quite a bit. Um, but to pivot to kind of uh, players that uh, I we, you know don't naturally necessarily flow, I wanted to kind of go back because we kind of passed uh, some running back conversations up just because we got sure. obsessed with JK. <laughs> yeah, mean, that like, happens. Right, I right the show. No, it's just, and then we can kind of we, we can take a break too. But um, Aaron Jones. Actually, so he's somebody that I, uh, I, when we were talking about the career arcs and talking about like, you know, when players typically produce and if they've made it to the league, you know, if they've made it to year X, they keep producing like running back arcs. We assume that they're all dead when once they could get to a certain point. But the truth is, if they make it, if they're still productive in year six, when their year seven, eight, nine is not, they're not dead typically. And so when it comes to Aaron Jones, like, I don't know why the assumption is he's he's going to drop off all of a sudden. Like he had 1,500 yards from scrimmage last year, and his role is probably not going to actually decrease at all this year. And so I don't know what we're expecting or, or projecting to happen to where he's just not this great value. But you know, you, you can get him outside of the top 15 running backs, and he just doesn't finish outside the top 15. You know, like he's just really freaking good. Um, has been, and I, I don't see his his workload uh, decreasing to the point at which I, I'm not interested. And so where are you with Aaron Jones? Right after J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> if J.K. <laughs> Dobbins is on the board, I'm going uh, I'm going to go that route. But Aaron Jones, I, let me ask you a question first. Can you talk to me about Jordan Love? I'm terrified that this offense just doesn't have the scoring opportunities that we would like to see um, to make Aaron Jones someone that I'm excited about. Uh, I don't mind. Like, I'm not. I have him on a bunch of rosters and dynasty again, because I play in so many leagues. I have a bunch of players. So, yeah. so it's hard to talk about someone that I don't have, but Aaron Jones is someone that I haven't tried to move. Like I'm not trying to trade for him. I'm not trying to trade him away. I mean, if, if you're not in a win now situation, yeah, don't keep Aaron Jones. That Everyone knows that. But if you're in a position like I am in a bunch of these leagues where, you know, I, I think I have a shot. I want to keep Aaron Jones because I do think that he could be good. So uh, but my confidence level isn't that high that I'm going out and targeting him in in, in leagues, and, and mainly because I'm so nervous about Jordan Love, and I'm wondering if you're just going to remind me, yeah, but Aaron Jones was, I mean, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers wasn't Aaron Rodgers last year either, so we don't actually need Jordan Love to be peak Aaron Jones. We just need him to not be Jordan Love, maybe. Yeah, I think, I mean, last year they weren't even really leaning into Aaron Rodgers. You know, like he wasn't, they kind of rec- recognized who he is at this point and it's not like he was bad his his volume just wasn't necessarily there because they weren't actually um you know airing the ball out like crazy like if you look at his uh, attempts it wasn't like over 600 or anything like so they i mean both running backs had over 200 touches um and so like they clearly have a system that works for two running backs and aaron jones had two almost i mean like not not 300 but he had 272 i think 272 uh touches last year uh, over 1,500 yards from scrimmage, 72 targets, I believe. Um, and so, or 70-ish targets, somewhere around there. And so, I'm just really not concerned. Like, even if he does see a downtick in his his overall touches or the the offense stalls here and there, um, it there's almost no way if he's healthy he he finishes below ADP. Like, he's it's just it's just not possible. Like, where where, where have you been getting him or seeing him go? Um. Aaron Jones, I'll pull it up, but but while I do that, it is interesting you bring up his targets. Last year was his um, career high in targets. 
yeah. at 72, like you said. Yeah. Um, and he's going, he's going um, running back 15, um, 62nd overall. Right. Outside the top 60 picks when like that just like, when has he not exceeded that? And Can just, I... it's, it's like, it's just an assumption. Oh, he's old. So he's just done. Sorry. That's not how it works and not how so it has we're... worked. When, we're especially hyping up when it comes to this this class that we just talked about with the career arcs the 2017 group like they're going to still exceed ex- expectations this year and we're going to act like we're surprised but we're hyping up rb dead zone guys does that bother you at all because because i have i have an issue with the rb dead zone because i think it lacks I, I mean it makes a lot of sense and there's historical precedent for it but i think going into a season it doesn't have the context that you require um to be able to make just a broad sweeping don't draft running backs in round five, six, seven, and eight or yeah, whatever, it's, you know? Yeah, and I think because of where, like, the profile of the running back that generally goes in that, that range has created that strategy or has created that that RB dead zone and has made it a thing um, because it's just – it's it's the, the the questionable situations or the, the less than efficient guys or something like that. But it's like these guys are – they've been features. And, oh, look, yeah. they're going to be feature again this year uh we have no reason to believe that's going to change uh so yeah it's, it's just like, like we kind of talked about before it's just um this this 2017 group the the you know all that whole stacked maybe the best class ever is going to kind of change our per- perception where there's going to be a new new type of content after this year of all these guys exceeding expectations at an older age um and so we are very reactionary <laughs> overreaction uh, over overreactive no, i don't know yeah so um to everything but uh, i'm just trying to get ahead of it and just say look we're we are way devaluing like all of these round four round five guys this year that i i normally don't necessarily advocate taking a bunch of running backs in that in that, in that range just because the value doesn't normally make sense given what you can get but this year it seems like there's an exception with alvin jones with with joe mixon in that that range with but J.K. Dobbins actually falling in that range. You know, a bunch of these guys that I'm completely fine taking there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, like when you're when you're talking about, um, sorry, I'm just looking at um, Aaron Jones here's again his numbers. Like if you look at his fantasy points per game, he finished as an RB one. Like yeah, exactly. It is RB twelve, but it was right there with like Ramondre Stevenson. And uh, Ramondre Stevenson is a guy going, um, I guess he's not going that much earlier, but he's going a, a round and a half earlier, two rounds yeah, earlier. Um, and there's a lot of questions there too. So to me, just because he's younger doesn't mean that we should um, elevate Ramondre Stevenson because do we think he's going to put together another target share like he did last year? Maybe, but uh that's not necessarily the profile we expected when we came out. I should say it's not the profile I expected when he came out. I shouldn't speak for you because maybe I know you liked Ramondre. I don't know if you thought he would, he would have much of a passing role. I didn't think it would be what it was last year for sure. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if he repeats, that's fine. But uh, I think there's a great chance that Aaron Jones exceeds (laughs) uh, his totals across the board this year. Does, do, do you, do you like AJ Dillon? Um, he's someone that I don't have, uh, hardly, hardly any shares of. He's also going, you know, of course he's going a lot later. He's going in like round 11 RB 37 type. Uh, is he someone that you at that value? Is he someone that you could see getting interested in? Or do you just think, um, get the passing downs work with Aaron Jones? We don't know how the touchdowns will break. And so maybe just fade 
fade Dylan this year because you're mourning on Jones or, or how are you reading that situation? No, because I will with him. It's, it's a lot of my particular approach and strategy because like oftentimes I'm taking like tight end, tight end back, back to back or something, uh, depending on like the format and what I'm trying to do in that range uh, where you get Dylan uh, just because a lot, a lot of the guys I like in that range. But um, and with Dynasty, especially I'm, I'm thinking, man, uh, he's he's, you know, coming up on end of his contract and. Uh, with that through that lens specifically, I'm really worried because he probably goes into a different situation where it's probably not even as good as he is in now. And so he's probably already produced more than he's ever going like the best years he's going to ever have. Um, because next year there's I actually like a bunch of the running backs coming in next year. And so like he's gonna be a free agent and a bad year to be a free agent again. And uh so yeah, I I don't like him long term. And even this year, he's one B at best and yeah, his ceiling's just not there unless Aaron Jones gets hurt, and so yeah, yeah. Th- that's not what that's not really what I I swing for. Like he's just below the the true like crazy zero RB value um, spot, and in a spot where I typically try to go, even like with quarterback or with with tight end, depending on the format, you know. Just so yeah, there's just other directions I typically go there. Yeah, yeah, but and that makes sense. What? We never actually talked about uh, Khalil Herbert. I just mentioned him for a second. I just wanted to say um, real quick, again, a guy going uh, like 120th overall in super in Superflex, um, which is insane. He's like RB40, um, and he is a starting running back for the Chicago Bears. Again, I think it's a similar story to what we have with the Baltimore Ravens where you've got a quarterback who's going to see a whole lot of the market share. But if you kind of, uh, again, take out the running back market share, which is going to be healthy for Justin Fields, I think we can all assume that he's going to um, run the ball uh, close to 150 times, just less than 10, 10 rushes per game, kind of like what I think last year he averaged just over 10 rushes a game. But um, if you take what's left of those running back carries and, and kind of project where they're going to go, um, you only have to make uh, – you don't have to make a huge projection to, to get Khalil Herbert to me to be making uh, some fantasy relevance with his extreme efficient running style. So Khalil Herbert's another guy that I think is being undervalued because people are super afraid of what might take place with fields. And then also not knowing exactly what to do with the fact that they did draft Roshan Johnson and then they brought in Deontay Foreman, but they're leading back David Montgomery. Uh, he had 190 carries last year and he's gone. Like if we think Khalil Herbert, like I'm not projecting, um Khalil Herbert for 190 carries but if you do like I did the numbers if you if you project him for 190 carries he's gonna have over a thousand yards and uh half a dozen touchdowns like he's gonna put up numbers yeah yeah so I I, I like that as well quite a bit uh I mean it's, it's not like Roshan Johnson is an, an assumed stud I know there people in draft season really liked him He's just the he's NFL not, didn't seem to all that yeah much. I mean he, he, he was get crazy back capital. For, for a reason and uh he's not the explosive monster that people want him to be and Deontay Foreman was okay. And so I'm not sure, uh, and and has been okay in the NFL. I'm not sure that Roshan's even like, are we, I guess just neither of those really scare me uh, is what I'm getting at. Like neither of them are elite and I'm not sure either one's like good enough to be like, Oh, I'm not, that one's the automatic short yardage back. And well, you know, so there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of confidence to be had in Herbert's immense efficiency as well. Just ridiculously effective out of the backfield. So, uh, really like Herbert as a value um, to be had. We haven't talked about many t- uh, tight ends or quarterbacks. Is there, are there players that you um, have been targeting at, at those positions quite a bit? Well, someone that I kind of 
am higher on than than consensus that that is still not someone that like i haven't felt comfortable enough to like plant my flag with this guy but yeah. in um in single quarterback leagues um he's going as tight end 13 and he's going in the 13th round and that's greg dulcich um I, I, he was my tight end one last year uh you know this I, I loved him at ucla and then coming to denver there was all types of problems with denver last year we know this we don't have to spend much time talking about that i think you can throw a lot of that out at the book i don't know what real russell wilson's gonna be but i do think sean payton is going to make um this offense a lot more efficient and Dulcich is the kind of guy, once he was healthy, we were already talking about him last year. Yeah. Um, he was completely undervalued coming, uh, going through the whole process last season. And I don't think people have adjusted enough. Um, again, I don't think he's going to be a top five tight end, but, but I don't think he's going to be someone that um, like, by the end of the year, I think he's a, a QB, a tight end one for, for fantasy purposes. I think it's e- easy that he is. His air yards per target were wild. Like his, all his efficiency numbers were just nuts there. And in, in the games where he actually had the, like a, like a starter share of, I think it was like six games where he really had like a starter share of snaps. Um, and so, I mean, getting over 400 receiving yards in your first year, um, he even coming in, he had the capital, he had like third round capital. He had the athleticism. He had, uh, he was one of the most effective like yards per reception tight ends throughout his entire career as a prospect. And then he basically just wows immensely as, a, as basically a tight end one within the, the six games where he was actually starting right. Uh, right away. So for me, like he's at worst, the third option in that offense and uh, you know, and that was with Rippon's kid being playing quarterback half the yeah. time too. Yeah. You know, like it's just, there, there's so many things to, to get excited about with, with Dulcich. And so yeah, is he going to be Travis Kelsey? No. But he, he's going to be really useful, especially if you got him, in, you know, round 10 plus in some spots. So for yeah. me, I'm all about some Greg, Greg Dulcich. And you know what? A couple other guys I, I just I, I find really intriguing just because I like, you know, stacking some tight ends later on. Like David Njoku um, had like what 80 targets last year and had his best receiving season, I think, or second best receiving season of his career, like 600 plus yards. And uh, he was actually really good. Like, and it's funny. I mean, we, we, that 2017 tight end class was supposed to be incredible. You know, that's OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, David Njoku, all, all stacked tight end glass. And uh, Howard kind of washed out a little bit, but Ingram's been great lately. And, and Njoku has been great lately. Like they've, like, we thought that they all kind of flamed out, but man, uh, Njoku was actually fantastic. And so for me this year, I'm not sure what things what things look like. I, I mean, I I also like Elijah Moore bouncing back a little bit too. So maybe that that stifles some of the the ceiling and opportunity for Njoku if that actually works out for him. But uh, Njoku's just been good, like good enough, like his entire career. He's he came in, he was high jumping like seven feet. He was just a, he's always been a ridiculous athlete, and it seems that he's really finding that sweet spot and finally um, producing. Uh, efficiently on the on the targets that he's given, and so for me, when I look at uh, what he did last year, it's like, hey, it's he, if he and he was only at 14 games too with 80 targets and over 600 yards. If he's actually healthy for the full 17, and they're like, hey, it seems we found our our second option in, in this offense, and he gets closer to 100 targets or over 100 targets at the, t- at the tight end position, you're looking at a, a tight end one season, maybe a tight end six season. So for me, I love taking uh, him in, in the late rounds because. Uh, or at least mid rounds, because uh, to me, he just 
he, he looks like he's right, uh, right about right, like right up to that point where he's he's going to be that residual mid tight end one for like the rest of his career. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you look at his pace, he was on pace because he only played in fourteen games. He was on pace for hundred targets last year, right? And which, so if any increase, yeah. I mean, and you're looking at a really really solid tight end one type of season. Yeah, he had a almost had a twenty percent market share last last year. I didn't realize that at all. Yeah, um, I like that call, and and I am I hate talking about Deshaun Watson. I really do, but I do expect him to bounce back to maybe not where he was before. But I think he's going to look more like the old Deshaun Watson than last year's Deshaun Watson. Yep. And if that happens, then we're talking about a a ceiling that definitely was not there before for him. That may have never really been there for him in his entire career. And he's still like, how old do you think Njoku is? I mean, you said 17. So he's been in the six years, 26 years old, 27 years old. Yeah, he just turned 27 like two days ago. But I wouldn't have thought that if you wouldn't have said <laughs> yeah, 2017. Well, yeah, <laughs> you no. gave it away. Seriously, I just have to do ridiculously math. young when he came in. So he's, yeah. he's just now 27. Like when, and I'm again, not saying he's going to be Kelsey, but like when Kelsey really started becoming what he is, he was like 26, 27. Like, yeah. like that was when he absolutely went off. Um, and so these tight ends can go off a little bit later. They, they, they Yes, they typically do something. In the first three years, if they're going to stick around and, and actually become a truly special tight end one type player, um, but he did. He actually had a 600 plus yard season year two or three there, and now he's just doing it again. And he's got a, a decent quarterback and, and market share opportunity. So uh, that's somebody yeah. I, I like quite a bit. And then lastly, a tight end, Sam Laporta. I know I don't like talking up rookie tight ends that much, and um, not every one of them is going to catch like a thousand yards, uh, like Pitts or whoever else, but. Uh, Laporta, he went like what 32nd or 33rd, whatever overall for a reason. Uh, because he was frankly maybe the best receiving tight end in the class, just straight up. I mean, he was he's not gonna be a really solid blocker for you, like that's not how he graded out, that's not how they even utilize him, which is rare for Iowa. Um, because they generally come out really prepped to block, but because of that, I think he's gonna be running routes when he's on the field. And he was there's like almost no other even functional tight end on the team. And so he's going to be basically, you know, near 100% snaps for the Lions year one and running a ton of routes. And so I, he might just be a tight end one right away. According to Fantasy Pros ADP, he's the 19th quarter uh, tight end. Why do I keep calling tight ends quarterbacks? He's the 19th <laughs> tight end off the board going at like 164th overall. Yeah. And he might be like tight end seven, tight end eight as, as a rookie. Yeah. And I think too, like in, um, in dynasty formats or super flex whatever sam laporta is super valuable Mm -hmm. and he's a fun dude too because like i'm in a bunch of two tight end leagues and uh like debbie two tight end leagues so there was like there's like never anyone there and he was (laughs) sitting there for me because i had uh the second pick and someone else took dalton kincaid so yeah i was happy i was happy (laughs) um i i did want to ask you uh just to go back to njoku real quick i just want to kind of give you the the two players above him and the two players after him and just kind of with that context, kind of tell me where you kind of feel that he should land. So he's going right in between. He's like got Darren Waller and Ingram right ahead of him and Fryermuth and Oconquo right behind him. Yeah. To me, I, I, I think Waller, it makes sense. He's probably right in that range. Like, I'm not sure. Waller is just, it's the health. Right. And so like, yeah. And so I think we just, if he's healthy, he probably beats and joking out, but, 
I think I, I still like uh, Joku even over Fryermuth this year. So, and long term too, like you said, he's he's younger than a lot of these guys that um, are going ahead of him. A lot of yeah, them. <laughs> yeah. So. For, and, and in Dynasty, it, his value is not, I think, what it should be. Yeah, like in Dynasty, it's even uh, kind of depressed versus this, and generally, like in, in the leagues that I'm in. So, yeah. Do you do you want to finish off talking a couple college players that you keep drafting? Since uh, we do have some the de- degenerates listening who uh, sure are yeah, in the let's, weeds let's do that of college last, to Canton for the last people who uh, yeah stuck around and want to want to get some really uh, ridiculously deep names or players that might maybe not even super deep but might even just be available in your you know college to Canton campus to Canton like supplemental drafts for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean I'm not super deep in the couple that just started this week. Uh, but have you already uh, had a bunch of your drafts done? A couple of them. And the dude who I keep ending up with is um, running back for the Texas Longhorns, Jonathan Brooks. Um, I think because CJ Baxter is coming in here, everyone rightfully so. And Jadon Blue is already there. Everyone is very excited for what those two guys like. They're new toys, right? They're new toys in the offense. We're not sure what they could be. They could be anything. Um, Meanwhile, Brooks has been there. He's been productive. I could see him getting the first shot at the role um, and not letting go. And if that happens, I mean, I don't think Texas is going to keep Baxter off the field, but I could see him not having like, he's a freshman. There's no need to rush him out there. I could see Brooks having a solid year. Yeah. I, I like that as well. And and that's, that's been kind of the, the tone from the coaching staff, even like since the spring game, I like guess like this, it's, it's kind of his job, you know, like we want to get hyped for Jane blue. We want to get hyped for Baxter but probably at least for a year, Brooks is going to be that guy. And so if he's like featuring or, or at least a strong, strong, strong one, a, and one of the best offenses in the country, that's, that's really fun for college and might be a, a low key sleeper for NFL. Like the word is kind of ignoring. So I like, I like that target for sure. I I've, it depends on, you know, if, how extensive your waiver system is for campus to get. And I hate waivers on. Campus Here we go. Campus. Here we go. Let's go. Like, Let's go. <laughs> capital H. <laughs> A T E hate for for all of you listening. I was uh, able to be a, a witness to an entire <laughs> league trying to get Travis to change the rules to allow like, waivers, no. and he held like, no. strong, <laughs> held know, strong. Like, if yeah, like a bunch, of basically all, almost all of like newer leagues are just like yeah, let's just you know free free game with waivers and everything to make sure that there's zero value ever in the supplemental drafts at all besides of like true freshmen and i hate it i i much rather just like make every single draft as interesting as possible as deep as possible as you know every single year and just you know have deep enough rosters that you don't have to you know have a bunch of uh waiver claims in at all and so anyway if, if i don't have to go in deep there but like if you are even if you're in leagues that have deep waivers you might not have picked up uh tight end luke lachey out of iowa uh we just got talk, done talking about one iowa tight end it's basically tied in you. Like, I mean, it George is. Kittle uh, just knocking it out here at the park here recently. Sam Laporta, like tons of like TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, uh, a ton, so many tight ends have, have come out of this university just because they, they love that position. And Lachey, and we talked about him, I don't know, three, four weeks ago. He, he could be the tight end three in next year's draft. And I don't think a lot of people are considering that that, that might be the case because uh, we you know are enamored with a few other players. But, uh, you know, I, I get Brock Bowers. Okay. JT Sanders. Okay. After that, there's a lot of debate to be had as to who's going to be tied in three next year. And Lachey might have 
as good or even better numbers than Laporta did last year in the offense because, well, frankly, Iowa has like an offensive mandate. If you don't score at least this many points, you're gone <laughs> with the offensive coordinator. Right? Yes, yeah, 25, 25 points a game. Points again. Yeah. And so Which if, if they can't, that's a problem. The fact that they're actually saying that is already like he should already be fired. The fact yeah. that that's Yeah, the but he's the coach's son. So it's whatever. <laughs> yes. But uh, they're going to be throwing quite a bit. Um, and I know that a lot of people are like, well, what about Eric all? He's not a dynamic receiving threat there for Iowa. Um, and he's not really a, a pro projectable tight end, like difference maker. Anyway, he's like a really solid tight end three. He's going to be in the league for a long time and not be meaningful at all for your tiny, your fantasy teams. Lachey has legit off like athleticism. Like he's, he's a basketball player on the football field that just makes people miss and throws people to the ground and boxes out. Um, and he's going to have really decent market share this year in an offense that needs him to be the guy. And so uh, I'm, I'm all about nabbing him where I can. Not not early, but uh, you can actually gra- grab him a little bit later in, in most leagues that don't, uh, you know, that haven't been ruined by waivers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but, you know, a quarterback who's available um, even on teams where, depending on how many waivers, but uh, Milton, quarterback for Tennessee, if he wins the job, um, he could be valuable this year. And I have seen him in a few of my leagues, not many. But, yeah. And if he um, is available, he, he does go early. But he's still a fun target because that offense seems to make every quarterback. Uh, and he doesn't go that good. early because people are grabbing all the freshmen. Like every mm-hmm. single freshman quarterback um, through at least five. five yeah, I mean, Rashada's even gone by then, you know. Yeah. I've seen Shador Sanders go ahead of him. Speaking of, I've been drafting some Travis Hunter. I know he's going to be playing corner. Is he going in? The, I, but he's going to be doing wide receiver as well. Yeah. Is he going to go to the league as a wide receiver or as a corner? What do you I think? I think he would like to be a wide receiver. I know. Well, actually, uh, he's made it known he wants to actually play both ways. Like he yeah, wants to, he, he just wants to be like Dion, you know? Um, but I, I think his best spot would be, be corner. But uh, he could play either one. And that's what's incredible. Um, so we'll so see how cool. he does against top tier competition. Uh, but if he dominates as a wide receiver this year and that defense as a whole struggles because they're, well, they're trash all across the board, except for like him, um, the, maybe he does lean wide receiver. So we'll, we'll see, but that, that that's, he's, he's actually a lot cheaper than he should be because of that uh, yeah. uncertainty. Well, and same deal with Nicholas Harbor uh, who went to South Carolina. Cause a lot of people are waking up like, wait, I thought he was a defensive end. Oh, are they trying to mess around and make him a tight end? I just like just saw somebody in a league chat this like, yeah. today. I'm, I think so, it's that same league. <laughs> yeah, I, it was like I thought he was a defensive end. Or I thought he was a tight. Are they trying to make him a tight end? Like, no, they're trying to make him a full-on wide receiver because he wants to run track. He wants to stay like lean and fast. And I mean, he he profiles like he's he's a faster DK Metcalf. Is what he is. Like it's so crazy. Which is like that's that's not even like an exaggeration. Like verified track times already. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, faster like it's insane so if he actually works out uh, he's going cheap because you know he could also just switch and not even play defensive end for most of his career and just be like hey guys i'm the most athletic guy on the field and then be a defensive end if he wanted to I, so there's some uncertainty there too but he's he is sticking for now to wide receiver and, and because of that uh that odd track to him being a wide receiver he's super cheap in a lot of leagues because people don't know, don't know what to do with him. But if you don't know who Nicholas Harbor is, seriously, just look up his track times and, or track videos and like see these little tiny specks of humans running next to this like monster and, and the monster <laughs> who's like four times the size of the entire field is beating it. these kids. 
it's just it's it's hilarious and so yeah, yeah. Th- that's something I'm, I'm definitely interested in and um uh let's see let's see oh yeah uh javon baker if ucf is a, is actually efficient at all through the air this year he was actually a top 20 in air yards last year they just missed him <laughs> And so if, if John Reese Plumley can actually do anything at all in terms of improving in his final year of eligibility as a passer, uh, Javon Baker had all the opportunity last year. Uh, he was just was airmailed like <laughs> on so many deeper opportunities. And so if, if he connects on a few more of those, we're looking at a player that might be top 20 and he's like fringe undraftable or undrafted in some spots um, and campus to get, and even like college fantasy team, people are not very high on him. And uh, I think he could be uh, a value way late. Yeah. Can I give you one more kind of deep cut that yeah. not many I mean, people no, will know of? Um, absolutely. An, another deep cut. And it's it's the swimming duck, Tez Johnson, um, who <laughs> transferred from yeah. Troy. He's actually Bo Nix's adopted brother, which is kind of cool. That's uh, so talk about chemistry. Like, that's well, got to be something, right? But Tez yeah. Johnson uh, is one of these just like stupid fast players that um, is a little bit undersized. But we know that Oregon of all schools, like when you think of small, fast, electric playmakers, you you, you think of people wearing that neon yellow, right? Like you think of like DeAnthony Thomas. And um, I think that while well, Tez is not going to be him, most likely, I think for um, – College production, he I think he's going to put up some fun numbers. Again, Jury on Dickey's there c- coming in, but he he's actually not there yet. He uh, he was not an early enrollee, so I think it could take him some time to get up to speed. We know that Troy Franklin is the truth. There are a lot of targets to be had. Um, we have saw a few Oregon transfer wide receivers leave. So Tez Johnson is someone that um, I've been getting kind of later in some of these supplemental drafts just because uh, – mm-hmm. It's fun to have fast Oregon Ducks on your team, especially when they're related to um, the quarterback. And what's funny is, you know, who else is on the Oregon Ducks is Justin Herbert's brother, Patrick Herbert, who plays yeah. tight end. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. A, a bunch. It's, it's all in the family. Up all in, in the family. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that is a, that is a deeper cut. We'll, we'll see if that actually works out there. Um, they love him though he had an amazing spring game um they can't talk highly enough of him so i'm trying not to take him too early i think i took him too early in in one of my leagues like but i just wanted him yeah i mean that's that's kind of like i i probably took ronde gadsden too early just because he has tight end eligibility (laughs) for college side uh even though he's definitely not a tight end he's just like a jumbo slot wide receiver he's like he's dude's not even 220 pounds like he's not a tight end but uh he he has the eligibility and he's probably gonna get a thousand yards and so i'll take it but uh yeah that's awesome yeah man any other players you want to talk about anyone else i mean we could talk for three hours about like yeah oh yeah we're already over an hour look at us go (laughs) look at us go yeah but this is this is fun players we just can't stop drafting so yeah i I like it players we keep drafting i love it yeah that's it's uh, it's, in summation it's gonna change too you know Mm -hmm. like i don't know at what point i would have to like how high jk dobbins would have to climb for me to stop drafting him um, I might be the one that keeps pushing his ADP up and up. Um, That's you. But I know this stuff's going to change as we get closer and we, you know, Kareem Hunt signs somewhere, you know, like it's going right. to, it's going to shift the landscape. Things will be different, but it's fun. Like we're, you know, Scott Fishbowl is kind of the unofficial start to fantasy season for regular people. 
I've been best balling for a, a couple a couple months yeah. now. Yeah, every, but, every time um, I see like, oh yeah, fantasy football season has begun. Like, it never ends. What are you talking about? Right, <laughs> right. Um, but you know, this is fun. We're gonna have um, a couple of other episodes coming up soon without Travis. He is, as he said, about to uh, enter uh, fatherhood part two. Yeah, um, fatherhood again squared. Yeah, squared. Um, squared and good. yeah. <laughs> It's going to be cool. We're going to have some guests on, though. We uh, had Kevin Coleman on to talk about Debbie wide receivers. We're going to have um, Matthew Hicks, uh, the FF educator, come in and talk Debbie running backs. So be looking for those. Those will be a lot of fun. And then uh, we'll be getting back around with Travis when he is, uh, oh, I won't say fully rested because I, I want to talk to you before the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> well, I, I don't think uh, you're fully rested. Once you're a parent, you're not fully rested in, like for another two decades, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's just, yeah. That's well, okay, my oldest sleeps until like 11 a.m. now during the summer. So it's, oh, dude. they're, oh, they're only 14. Awesome. <laughs> so it's like, well, Winning. does, Man, that's, does yeah. Porter still exist? Oh, they're just sleeping. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. good stuff. We, we have some great shows coming up for you. Again, um, you can find us on the road of his main feed for podcasts. We have our own feed for podcasts as well. So do find us there. And then, of course, uh, find us on the road of his YouTube channel. Uh, you will find Travis and I's beautiful faces there as well. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. It's always a blast to uh, to talk with you, Travis. I feel very fortunate that we get to do this every week. Um, speaking of every week, we will have a couple of shorter videos on YouTube kind of intermittently as well. That's not necessarily from the podcast too. So check out there for all things. Uh, Travis, anything to leave our good listeners with? You're not going to be able to talk to them for a couple of weeks here. So just just if you are not obsessed with college football already definitely check it out i know a lot of our listeners are very uh heavily into the nfl and not so much the college uh but just just take the time and uh you know take an entire saturday some some saturday if you can and just ingest it with your best friends your family um go see a game live if you can uh that's different like actually tailgate and and go out like into a, a real college football environment uh do it like just just find a way Make the make the tickets happen. Get it on the fifty. Like just make one one experience like that if you haven't already. Uh, just because it's it's a, a sport like none other. So, yeah. And also, if you haven't played college fantasy before, just do it. Find a way how you can play at fan tracks. Um, that's 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 all I'll say because it's fun. Yeah, and if you need help finding a league, hit up Travis or I. We have yep. tons of friends who are always looking for people, um, whether it's an orphan or a startup. Dude, I'm so pumped that Deion Sanders is here, man. Uh, not so much for. I mean, also for hopefully wins in the future, but man, the excitement in the Boulder area and the amount of yeah. people that are going to be going to games and like just the environment is going to be so much better. Like I went to games last year and it was just, it was still fun, but you could tell yeah. people were there for drinking, not for watching football. I think that'll <laughs> change a little bit. They'll be there for both now. <laughs> I hope that excitement is is there in October <laughs> because it's, yeah. it's, there's a good chance they, uh, They've won one game at that point. Their, <laughs> yeah, their win total um, is at three. Yeah. Um, plus 300. Is it down to, to three over. even? Is it down to three it's even? It's at now? three even. Plus oh, man. Plus, it, plus, I mean, over oh, three gosh. is at plus 100. So I yeah. smashed that because yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> bet with my, bet with my uh, so heart bad. and not my head. So. And that might be too high. It's still going yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck to them oh. too. But yeah. Well, it was good chatting, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Take the time to follow, rate, review, all the things. 
We will be back with you. Um, well, we won't. I'll be back with you next week. Travis will be back with you um, sometime soon-ish. And uh, send him all the love and all the good things. We appreciate you all so much. This is such a fun community. Um, we're just happy to be able to keep on doing this. We'll talk to you all later. <laughs>